RugbyRenegade.com, the number one online strength and conditioning program for rugby. Are you ready to get bigger, stronger, fitter, and faster and dominate your opposition? Welcome to the Rugby Renegade Podcast, where we build machines. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Renegade podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Pro Athlete Supplementation. Check them out at pas-nutrition.co.uk for all your supplementation needs. And don't forget that subscribers to the Rugby Renegade program get a 40% discount on retail prices. Right, we are back for episode 48 of the Rugby Renegade podcast. My name is Jamie Bain and today I'm joined by Ed Archer, a good friend of mine, a great strength coach, wealth experience, currently runs the Athlete Academy and works a lot with the UKSCA um, and we'll talk about both of those a lot with his, his um, work with youth populations of Athlete Academy and his entry-level S&C qualification he's working on with the UKCA. Uh, so loads of that, plus loads of training information for rugby players. Give it a listen and let us know what you think. Hi Ed, welcome to the Rugby Renegade podcast. Great to have you on. Uh, why don't we start by you just telling us a little bit about your background, how you got into strength and conditioning and, and some of the teams, sports and athletes you've worked with. Um, hi, Jamie. Thanks for the, the invite to have a chat with you. Um, be good to have a catch-up after all these years. Um, my my background in S&T goes, you know, stretches back over 20 years now. Um, I was very, very fortunate to get into rugby in, in 97. Um, I came over from South Africa to do a um, personal training qualification here. Um, I And I was just in the right place at the right time. And I, I don't pretend it was, was anything more than luck that, that put me in a, a position to have a conversation with the then fitness coach at Gloucester, um, a gentleman by the name of Paul Bolson, who's now um, director of the Athletic uh, Factory in, in Calgary, in Canada. And um, I think what I had at that point is maybe a, a, a quite a unique skill set that was not particularly common in, in the UK at that time which was, you know, a, one, a background in lifting, which I know is difficult for, for young coaches and even players nowadays to comprehend that it, that it, that was 21 years ago. Um, and I had quite a bit of experience um, through my own training as a gymnast. I wasn't a particularly good gymnast, but I was an enthusiastic one, and I did quite a bit of supplementary training, so right from school, um, through to university um, and developed, I guess, an understanding of, of the application of resistance training to, to to basic performance gains. And in that time, in that school and university had, uh, you know, had, had as a hobby, I guess, ha- helped people from various sports, but not least of all rugby and, and rowing. And so when I came over here and, and had the opportunity to to meet someone who was involved with a, with a professional outfit, I, you know, I like to think that I, I had something to offer and, and I got the role as, as assistant, or in those days was called assistant fitness coach, or fitness coach was the, the title. There was no such thing as strength and conditioning um, in, in name. So that was my start point, I guess. And yes, it was very fortuitous. And you know, as you know, I've, I've never left the area. I've, I've, I've developed a, a strong link in, in the community, um, and have remained in the neck of the woods. Although haven't been involved um, in full time in rugby for for over twelve years, so 
and that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, and um, and something you're you're quite passionate about is um, you know youth youth athlete uh, physical development and things like that. And correct me if I'm wrong, is the, the athlete academy, isn't it? Your um, your yes, business. Yes. Now, t- tell us a bit about that. How you approach you know training with youth athletes, youth populations. Well, the the I. The, my involvement with with youth was very much an organic process because working with a professional club and and again it's 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 difficult for for young coaches or people familiar with with current professional standards and operations and the numbers of s and c staff involved but um I had almost eighteen months where I was entirely on my own in a in a, in a premiership rugby club uh, and that included academy so it was doing first team academy at one point for for over a year um and then you know slowly the the, the change started when when more staff got involved but even in the in the seven years i was working at first team level i i had a real interest in the development side and you know you'd meet 18 year olds or have 18 year olds coming into to first team training sessions and you'd think if only i'd seen this lad when he was 16 um so you'd make the time and effort to get to work with the guys who are in the 16 18 cohort and then you'd work with 16 year olds for a, a period of time and you think if only i've met these lads when they were 14 um and and so on and so forth until you know 2006 when i set up the athlete academy you know we had eight or nine year olds in in that cohort um and i think that by the focus or the drive has been to to get to work with prepubescence um because in my experience the the response to to training and the advantages from um, competency and, and foundation movement skills is, is you know they get started and so you know I see a definite benefit to to the the young athletes who begin with us pre pre puberty as opposed to those who start post peak height velocity um, and how quickly they pick up movements and then also how well they cope with the changes that come. Um, so I guess my, my my general approach is one is as as young as possible to for them to learn the basic movements, um, and then it's really from there it's about consistency, um, their consistent exposure to to good movement, and once they've developed the skill set, um, they're then able to advance into more. Um, I wouldn't say aggressive, but but more uh, stimulus-based um, training approaches. That's cool. And so you've been, like I said, you've been doing that for twelve years now. Um, have yeah, you, have so you yeah, seen much changing in terms of the the kind of preparation level of, of the, the young kids as they're coming through? Like sometimes, you know, as you get older, you kind of go, "Well, when I was younger, it was different." Is that something you've seen? Um, I think the. the the difference now, the main difference is in the attitude towards it. There's just so much more awareness. Um, you know, if you, um, James Baker um, from Performance was involved with me in the, in the early stages. And, you know, we, we had, a, had a, a tough time at the start. Um, schools, parents, um, there was so much resistance to the, to the notion of, young people, young athletes doing any um, specific uh, movement-based training because of the myths um, and misconceptions surrounding youth strength training. 
Um, and that is the biggest change, is that there is much less resistance to the idea. There's a much better general awareness, um, certainly in the sporting population. We, we know that there are, are, are wider issues relating to youth physical activity, but within the sporting population, it's definitely a much easier sell and people are far more positive and receptive to to the notion of of S and C. Um, I would say, generally now, even the the, the youngsters becomes have, have a better idea of of, of what to expect. Um, but then again, we we still get the occasional surprise when someone who's who's playing their sport at a relatively high level. Uh, is completely uninitiated or unaware of what they could or should be um, doing to to supplement their their sporting activity. Yeah, and and that's a great thing that you know a coach of your experience. You know, you're working with people at that level. You know, they often say the better coaches should work at the younger age, so you get people coming through with you know that good experience, good level of training, good habits, and things. Like that. So that's that's great. And you you touched on some of the the myths and misconceptions in you know youth youth resistance training do you want to touch on some of those that kind of been disproved yeah i mean i think that the we, we you know there are still um concerns around strength training and and growth related factors um and the you know we, we have such a wide body of of research and evidence now to support what we do and i think it's it's putting that in the right places. Um, I know that there's been some work um, done with a few of these sort of broadsheet journalists to try and and promote that. Um, but it, I think it's a slow it's a slow process of of educating people. But I think w- one of the areas that that even as practitioners we, we practitioners we need to be cautious about is that a little bit of information can sometimes be a dangerous thing, and I think there's a there's a growing awareness that there is a commercial value to to youth training, and often that attracts the wrong people um, to to deliver. And you know, you're talking about having having experienced coaches in working with youth, and and our systems just aren't structured to to deliver that. Mm. So it it does tend to take. Uh, individuals who are you know passionate about working with youth and and a few progressive organizations um but for the most part as you know youth youth sport and academies don't offer the kind of um packages financial packages that that enable experienced coaches to to take the roles because experienced coaches will tend to have families and uh you know standards of living that that a, an academy salary wouldn't sustain. So you know, but having said that, there's there's a lot of opportunity in in um, private facilities, use of private facilities or partnerships like I have with schools, um, in order to be able to deliver the kind of programs that we want to deliver, and make it a viable make it a viable option. Yeah, that's it's cool. It's certainly moving in the in the right direction. So this is a question we ask all the guests on the podcast, and it's what do you think is the biggest mistake rugby players make when it comes to strength and conditioning? Uh, for me, it's not spending the time on developing the, the mobility and technique to lift really well. 
I, I, I still think that young players in particular and and young coaches working with some of the younger players are in too much of a hurry to get big numbers. And there's not enough emphasis on, on mobility. And I was having a, I had this conversation with one of the premiership uh, defence coaches not so long ago. And I asked him what some of the barriers were to in, in his coaching, some of the challenges he had. And, you know, it, it slayed me that he said he still has an issue with guys at the top level who, who've got hip mobility problems and, and can't get into good positions. And from an S&C perspective, I think, you know, that's really, it's it's just not necessary. It's, a, it's something that we can be, we can be addressing and, and prioritizing at a, you know, at a young age and just making sure it's always uh, given kudos in training that that good mobility and the ability to get into good deep positions in a range of exercises and work through full range of motion in, in a range of exercises is a priority. That will be, you know, jumps to the, to, to the, the forefront in, in my mind, in my experience of, of issues that could be addressed more effectively in, in, in S&C. Yeah, and and you find if someone's, you know, they're performing exercises like that, you know, with a full range of motion and you know with good technique, it, it kind of takes care of everything else, doesn't it? Everything seems to fall in place then, doesn't it? Absolutely, I think that sometimes we forget, and and particularly in in data and number driven um, programs, is people forget what it is we're there to do, which is improve athleticism, yeah, um, and you know create systems that are more resistant to more resistant to injury can move better can tolerate awkward positions um and underpinning that is is mobility so you know i appreciate that there is a you know a bigger move towards using um primal based activities calisthenic based movements and and that's great but also in in strength and our strength training just a real emphasis on good lifting through full range of movement um, is, you know, should be the foundation. Are there are there movements and and training objectives where we adapt that? Or, or, of course, um, shouldn't be to the to the extent work. Yeah, cool. Um, and and kind of sim- on a similar sort of thread, what are your, what's your opinions on sport-specific training? Sometimes I think that's something that maybe inexperienced coaches, they, they try and develop more sport-specific things, especially with, with young athletes when they haven't built that foundation. What are, you, what are your opinions on that? Um, I would, I'd be inclined to agree with that. I think um, the ability for an, for an S&C coach Someone that you know, someone who has not been embedded in a sport for for many years, the ability to to design effective sport specific programs is unlikely. And I think that you know we have to work to our strengths. And as young coaches, you've got to got to work with what you know, and you've got to go to the the technical and tactical experts to help and guide. Uh, the, the, the movements and skill sets related to the game. Um, so, yes, the I think there is there's too much of a hurry to try and make it look, make the conditioning look like the sport um, before having built a really solid foundation uh, in generalist 
uh, athleticism, you know, good basic strength, good essentials, uh, speed skills, and the ability to change direction in, in, in fairly controlled environments. Um, you know, I think that those remain our bread and butter. When athletes can do that, we can, you know, we can start getting a bit more funky with their, with their programming. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think you're right. It's, athleticism is, you know, the, the same for all sports. If you make someone more athletic, they've got more potential to perform their sp- sport-specific skills to a higher level, haven't they? Um, let's move on. Let's talk about, hopefully we'll touch a little bit about your, your work with the UKSCA here, but this is a question we, we ask all the, the guests as well, is what advice would you give to an upcoming strength coach? The first, my first bit of advice is always uh, a, a question as to, to whether this is something that they are really passionate about. You know, is this is this something you do? Because to try and advance in a in a field where it's not what you would do, coaching is. You know, we've, we've always got to remember that that coaching for a lot of people is is an, an area of enjoyment, and a, and there are many people who coach for a hobby. Um, and if you, if you don't have that, you know, intrinsic love of, of working with people and, um, getting your hands dirty in, in a training environment, then you're going to struggle. That that's, that's the reality because there are, you're going to be in competition with people who, who, who are just generally enthusiastic, uh, about what they do. So that. You know that is this something that is ingrained in your in your practice, ingrained in your lifestyle? Um, because if it's not, then then you know you you probably need to be considering what really does bite you, what what really does grab you and and you know genuinely enthuse you. So first first rule, I guess, is you know are, are you thoroughly enthusiastic about this field? Yeah, that's cool. I, I think oftentimes people sort of <clears throat> you, you've got to think of it as a calling, haven't you? It's that that thing that you you do even if you weren't being paid for it. You know, um, if if you feel like that about it, then you're definitely going to you know make the effort to to work through the system. But let, let's touch on um, your involvement with the UKSCA and what you've been doing in terms of getting a, an entry level um, qualification for strength and conditioning coaches. Yeah, I mean it's, it's been a you know I've been very fortunate. Uh, in, in the involvement um, I've had with, with the UKSCA, I think that you know on the on the whole the organisation is um, because it's so strongly member driven. It really is about looking after you know the best interests of S and C coaches, and one of the things we you know we, we need to recognise is that. There is a lot of practice going on out there, um, and there are a lot of organisations, institutions, um, and general public who are completely unaware of the field of strength and conditioning, or that there is, um, you know, that there is a body of practitioners who are highly skilled. Um, who have a lot to offer, not just in terms of their practical skills, but in, in terms of their underpinning knowledge, their organizational skills. I think that the strength and conditioning is a profession in the UK, and, I, and I'm you know, kind of clear on that. I'm speaking about the UK here. 
um, because I don't necessarily think it's worldwide. But I think in the UK we we have, uh, and I'm allowed to say this because I'm an immigrant, in the UK there is the, the profession of strength and conditioning is very, very strong. It's made up by a lot of very competent professionals. And we need to do more, as, and for me, the UKSEA has needed to do more to promote our skills um, and to help distinguish us from perhaps from, from practitioners with less, less experience, less knowledge, um, people who may be not as thorough or dedicated to, to using scientifically-based um, practices. And one of the ways that no, I suggested during my time on the, on the board of the UKNCA to do that is to create a, a, an entry-level um, qualification that would enable more people to engage with the organization, so draw more people into to the field of S&C, however, um, that they leave that with, with a, a clearly defined skill set and all of practice and understand what their limitations are, what the limitations are of related professions when it comes to training and recognize the value of experienced and accredited S&C coaches. Um, so it's, it's an exciting project. It's obviously, it's, it has now been um, signed off by um, SIMSPA, the, the, the new standards. Um, and hopefully that means that at grassroots level now, we'll have more practitioners who are able to coach good foundation movement skills because that will be a requirement for assessment is that they can run sessions, group sessions with no equipment in limited facilities, um, but deliver clear outcomes with regards to um, movement skills. Because I think that's been absent. And, you know, as, as you know, I've been, I've had one foot in the fitness industry for, you know, in my entire career. Um, and, you know, the, the, the qualification standards rather than having risen have, have slowly eroded. Um, and I don't think it's been producing a lot of very good practitioners. So from, from that side and, and, and with respect to people in, in the fitness industry, I think they've been very excited about partnering with the strength and conditioning profession in order to raise standards. So we look forward to, to seeing that progress in the new year. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure, I'm sure the, the stronger the strength and conditioning profession comes, the more you'll find people in the fitness industry, you know, coming across to learn and, and get the benefits of, of the, you know, the type of courses that, that you're setting up. So that's great. That sounds brilliant. Uh, another question we often ask is, uh, are there any books or resources you'd recommend uh, for developing strength coaches or even are there any experts in terms of youth development you'd recommend people sort of uh, following social media and whatever to, to get a bit more information about those types of things? Well, that's a big question. Yeah, I mean, there, there is, well, the, the one thing that, you know, the, the, the strong, the strength of our position nowadays with the, the technology available to us is that there is a glut of good information out there. Um, and, you know, as a, as, a, as a point of call, I think that the, 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 the UKSEA um journals and UKSEA um, electronic um, network is a great start point for people because it then signposts a lot of good information. Um, but we have, there are, there are so many good 
um, practitioners now who, who are putting out information and, and you know yourself included um, I think it's the, the the one rather than highlighting individuals I think it's it's about a process and for for young coaches to understand a process of where you go to for information and I think that the evaluation of expertise must always be done uh, in analysis of delivery, if that makes sense. In other words, start start identifying your heroes in a face-to-face context or an in-person context. See people deliver, make the effort to get to see people deliver um, before swallowing too much of what they're putting out on social media. So, you know, that, that that's a, you know, I think starting starting local and then and then expanding from there is is where I recommend uh, young coaches to to go to, um, partly because it also then gets them involved in a in a practical in a practical context in a delivery context, as opposed to a. Um, theorizing and discussion of protocols when you know that may be very different to how things are actually done uh, on the gym floor or, or on the pitch side um, or on the court you know it's a we're, we're such a practical um, field and that's where the information gathering needs to start yeah, definitely. No, that's great advice because not only do you doing it that way, you kind of build up your experience, you build up your network from yeah from a local area, and then kind of branch out in a way that's, that's building Absolutely. experience Absolutely. at the same time. You know, the, the, the learning, yeah, yeah. Um, lastly, Ed, where can where can uh, people learn more about you? Um, well, I've you know I've, I'm not a I'm not terribly. Um, proactive on online um but i do have a you know the athlete academy is is my uh my baby i have a website athleteacademy.net um which uh could do with a bit of updating um you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm contactable I'm, I'm always open to to questions um via email and phone calls i think that um you know the, the I, I strongly I know that the the um, UKC is not without uh, its critics, but I'm I fully believe that the more people engage through the organisation, um, the better the organisation is, and, and the more we all benefit as, as a as a profession. Uh, there is there is strength in numbers, and, and there's strength in commitment. Um, so you know that's always my my recommendation is um, people involved in and get product field um, and network through with people who are you know have have a firm you know have a firm stand in in the field and and have a a, a reputation for being good practitioners number one and you know the the, the social media side of it is secondary to delivery yeah uh, we'll of course share uh, links to your to your website uh, in the show notes 
Um, but Ed, great to great to catch up with you, and and thanks for you know telling us about your your career and your work and giving some great advice. Um, much appreciated, and just wish you all the best. Thanks, Jamie. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, man. Cheers. So great to hear from Ed and uh, hear what he's doing with the UKSCA and, of course, with the Youth Populations with Athlete Academy. Uh, great uh, insight into into what he does and uh, definitely worth listening if, if you want to work um, with younger athletes and academy populations. Um, so please share that with anyone who you think that might be helpful with. And, of course, in the meantime, check us out at rugbyrenegade.com and check us out on social media. And please subscribe to us and give us a five-star review on iTunes. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Renegade Podcast. For more quality rugby strength and conditioning information, check us out at rugbyrenegade.com. Rugby Renegade, building machines.